Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I can say that there might be crying on the podcast, but there's definitely no crying in this sport. This week, I'm joined by my co-host and um, friend and the man that is the pitcher to my catcher and not in that kind of way, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing all right, man. Wild thing, you make my heart sing. <laughs> it's a solid, solid quote. Well, you gave me a pitcher and catcher, so you kind of <laughs> teed it up for me. But oh, wow. Um, I think we're just all over this uh, plate with this um, these metaphors and. Uh, uh, We've been around the bases a few times. Okay, this is all right. We got to stop now. Um, uh, so yeah, this week uh, Jesse and I decided we wanted to talk about uh, baseball um, and uh, specifically baseball movies. Sorry, sports fans out there, um, I'm just not that big into talking about sports unless apparently it's up on the silver screen. So, or it's Blood Bowl. Or it's Blood Bowl. Yeah, unless I'm. Unless it's fantasy orcs and elves, then, then I'm totally down. Uh, You're a very niche uh, sports fan. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, but being said, I do actually enjoy watching like uh, live uh, Major League Baseball. Um, so, you know, I'm not completely off of sports altogether. But uh, with the season starting up, uh, here, we thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorite baseball uh, genre movies um, and kind of just go down a few of them here. Yep. So grab your Cracker Jacks. It's time. Um, and like in baseball fashion, we'll do three each and be missing an out and an in. I don't know. I was trying to think of something that. Tied into outs and strikes, and I don't know. <laughs> Try to carry it one joke too far. So. Exactly. Um, but I do want to say one thing in uh, getting ready for this podcast. Uh, I thought it was actually kind of funny. Um, it seems like baseball, as a, like a baseball movie as a genre, has its own um, sub genres inside of that. Similar to what I, I've talked previously about how uh it seems like the uh mcu has a lot of stuff where it's like superhero movie plus this thing or um you know and baseball seems to have the same type of thing where it's like baseball movie plus romantic comedy baseball movie plus heartwarming story baseball movie plus historical baseball movie plus uh child story uh you, you know youth coming of age story type stuff so it just it was kind of interesting to me to see all these different genres inside of baseball and even some of the baseball movies that aren't actually about them playing baseball. It's about like the idea around baseball is even a genre. So there's a few like that as well. <laughs> I think you can even go as far as baseball movie thrillers where obsessed fan abducts star player. Uh, baseball movie plus uh um angels <laughs> uh dead people horror i mean it's not really horror but like there's there's a there's too many actually in that type of baseball movie plus 
dead things coming and helping do baseball things. <laughs> I mean, if two angels lifted me 15 feet in the air to catch a fly ball or a line drive, I would probably shit my pants afterwards. So. <laughs> it's a little horrifying. It scares me. Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole build it and they will come can be really creepy. Um, yeah. Guy going insane in Iowa. It's crazy. <laughs> but why don't we start actually talking about the movies we wanted to talk about, opposed to just kind of drawing uh, thinly veiled lines between uh, other baseball movies, Jesse, and you can, you, you can uh, lead us off here. Oh, I get to hit lead off. Yeah. I was never very good at lead off, Michael. It was too much pressure, but uh, I will give it a try all these years later. <clears throat> um, so obviously, as you were alluding to, I mean, there's, a vast library of baseball movies with all the different subgenres that come along with it. So trying to whittle this down to even like three was pretty difficult. So I'm glad we're each taking a turn here because that helps a little bit. But I always, you know, make sure this is on my watch list most springs if if I can, if I have the time, um, and that is Major League. Uh, classic uh, 1980s sports film, um, but also probably my favorite in terms of them going through one season and having that true underdog type story. Um, for those who do not know, uh, Major League covers the real-life uh, used to be named the Cleveland Indians in a fictional setting um, where the owner of the team has died and his wife, a former Las Vegas showgirl, hates Cleveland and wants the team to be so horrible that she'll be able to sell and relocate them to Miami, where it's much nicer, apparently. I've never been to Miami, Michael, but I have been to Cleveland, so I can only assume that's probably true. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a who's who of 80s stars. You have Tom Berenger in this, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, Rene Russo is here, uh, even Bob Euchre, who is synonymous with you know, being the voice of baseball, uh, makes a, a pretty, he has a pretty significant role in this as the play-by-play the play guy for the Indians. So it's a, it's a pretty silly movie. Uh, the team is awful. Um, they're full of cast-offs that no one else wanted. They have attitude problems. They have deficiencies in their games that prevents them from achieving their full potential. And I'm pretty sure when they hire the manager, he was like working in an auto shop or something. So <laughs> they don't even get a manager who is in the league to run this team. But, you know, it's your classic underdog story. So the team starts off horrible. Uh, they gradually get better as, you know, they bond and learn to overcome all those hurdles. And it's fairly typical from what we see from these types of films nowadays. And I don't know that it would really feel that special if it came out streaming on Netflix or Disney plus or max or whatever today. <laughs> but I think for the time it's, it's just straightforward. It's fun sports comedy. It has, you know, some subplots. If you like to have a little romance in your 
in your uh, sports comedy, you can have that. Um, I think it's still pretty hysterical. I like a lot of the, the, the references to weird shit that just happens in baseball. Uh, the fans uh, hoping that a line drive is not going to be turned into a home run against their team saying too high it's too high <laughs> and stuff like that and it does a good job it captures i think the spirit of the game well um and is pretty much a staple in the genre and i think one that a lot of fans uh, still enjoy to this day yeah i think it's um it's one of those ones yeah i i, I never snuff I never turn off the TV when it's uh, when it comes on or flip the channel. Um, it's it's just a good fun romp, and I think it does have a lot of really good comedic timing in it, um, and just kind of all over. It's you know your classic underdog type story with you know a baseball spit on it. Plus the Indians are uh, ha- at the time were an interesting team um, and the just the whole structure of the movie is pretty great (laughs) yeah yeah it all works pretty well and they get a lot of the intricacies of baseball down pretty well like baseball is kind of a weird game when you when you get right down to it um charlie shane's character uh rick vaughn aka the wild thing um is known for his rocket arm but his accuracy is kind of all over the place and that's that's his main hurdle during this season and he's talking to one of the other pitchers who's you know quite a bit further along in his career than vaughn is and he's telling vaughn yeah you know i'd I'll wipe my nose if I need to. And for, you know, I got a little, you know, Crisco that, you know, I keep under my glove and <laughs> lube that ball up and, you know, get a little more movement on the curveball. And Vaughn is incredulous in his response. Um, you put snot on the ball. He says, yeah, man, I, I don't have an arm like yours. I got to put on whatever I can find. Someday you will too. So just stuff like that where, they just do bizarre shit to, you know, extend their careers another few years and things like that. So as a fan, I, I appreciate that. And actually, uh, funny you talk about that kind of like the showcasing baseball. They actually did. The actors did attend a uh, baseball boot camp um, to kind of help them get prepped. Uh, a few of them actually had played in high school, um, even some college ball. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's you know it's nice to see that they did take that time and passion to put into the 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 heart of the game yeah yeah uh classic to have the yankees as the main rival team because who else you know other than the evil empire can be the main bad guys in a sports comedy but um also the film was principally shot in milwaukee and not (laughs) cleveland because it was cheaper and the producers couldn't work around the schedules of the cleveland indians and cleveland browns i mean fair (laughs) i just thought that was kind of funny sorry cleveland fans sorry (laughs) um another fun thing uh did you know in 2016 the real Cleveland Indians actually set up a shrine to uh, Jim Bowie. Is that, how do you say the, the little idol 
Jobu. Uh, uh, Jobu, yeah. Uh, they actually erected a shrine to him in their uh, in in their lockers. I take it it didn't work as well for them because it didn't really. <laughs> Maybe somebody messed with them, drank his uh, drank his his uh, rum and smoked his cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, classic mistake. Don't do that. So <laughs> yeah, man, I I think it pretty much is straightforward, um, but a good time. I I they made a couple of sequels to this, neither of which I thought were very good. Um, I know there are fans out there who like the second one, but I, for me, it's, you can't really recapture the charm of, you know, this first outing. And so I, I think it's by far the best. Yeah. It's pretty solid. <laughs> well, so we got a, a typical one out of the way. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you come up to bat here and see what you want to pick, Michael. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk something uh, a little bit more quote unquote realistic. Uh, <laughs> um, so I want to talk about uh, a league of their own, um, which was, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna talk about a league of their own uh, 1992 uh, debut um, director was uh, Penny Marshall, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, uh, st- sorry, starring Tom Hanks, uh, Gene, yeah. uh, Gene Davis, Madonna, uh, Lori Petty, uh, just a bunch of really great, uh, strong, I think, solid female actors here. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, too, of course. Um, and I like this one because I actually re- I remember seeing this um, with my mom. Uh, again, so many movies. Uh, and it came on and I just thought it was really funny. It's good quality uh, comedic timing from Tom Hanks, I feel like, in a lot of this uh, of that really helps drive the movie. I mean, so many great quotable lines um, and just so many, just telling such a great story of this time in our own history and kind of showcasing this uh, at the time, I feel like probably wasn't as well known. I know it had uh, the Women's League does have a lot more. Um, awareness now they even we recently had the all-star game here in denver and they had a whole section on the women's league uh hall of fame there at their um the 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 midway i guess is what you would call it the essentially the fan center area so that was really cool to see is actually be able to walk through that and see the the women's league kind of brought here and um their hall of fame and showcase so yeah. yeah Yeah, man. Um, the great Penny Marshall, um, an incredibly solid director who established a wonderful body of work in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, and this one, I think it's so appropriate. And I'm so glad that she was chosen to direct this because I think you would have lost something for sure if she hadn't been the one behind the camera um, telling this story about women who have been overlooked or didn't have as much awareness as they should have for, you know, something uh, truly remarkable that they came together and accomplished during a difficult time. So I'm glad for that. For Hanks, this was like the start, like right at the start of his kind of shift into more dramatic roles, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, before we got Forrest Gump and, you know, 
some of his other films, we got this. And you do kind of get that 50-50 split from him where he does have his comedic timing and his his Tom Hanks charm, but he also he has some trauma and he has some things that he's working through and also finds himself in a situation where he's maybe not giving these girls as much credit as he should. So it's it's a cool role for him that he does well with and it alluded to you know what he was going to accomplish as he continued to move forward in his career but i mean i think obviously the real stars of the show here are the ladies this is one for the ladies bro um <laughs> and i think especially with this cast uh gina davis of course is dotty um madonna of all people i think is good in this as mm-hmm. May, her sister um rosie o'donnell of course um so you have i think a solid we have a solid group of female actors here who come to, you know, show that this team, you know, again, stepped up and, you know, gave, you know, people something to look forward to and, and showed, you know, what they were capable of and, you know, playing the same game as the fellows do. So I, I like this movie. I think it has a lot of appeal and I, I don't think you have to be a baseball fan at all to appreciate this. I, I think it has certain elements that I think are universal regardless of what, you know, your taste in, in sports or film is. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think another great thing to talk about is that the, the, and I think a lot happens a lot of times in these movies are, um the actors do go through the process of learning baseball and working towards it and then they kind yeah. of actually are really i mean not they're they're mind you they aren't taking like you know 90 mile an hour fastballs across the the plate but um they you know really did do uh they really do fielding they really do kind of go up to the bat and stuff like that because it's hard to i mean back at least back then i mean nowadays you probably could do some cgi face swap stuff but you, you actually had to do all these things. You couldn't, it was uh, much harder to hide it with like a helmet and things like that than you can do with other sports. So, yeah. um, you know, credit to them for getting out there, getting down. I even saw something that said like Madonna uh, originally um, got moved from third base to the outfield because she was terrible at grounding field ball or uh, uh, fielding ground balls. Yeah. So, um, it's it's great to see them uh be able to actually do that type of stuff and the whole story behind it and the reason that they put the league together and the historical significance of it i think is a really nice like you were saying you don't have to like baseball to be able to appreciate this movie um it's just a i feel like baseball is kind of the backdrop to the story of this era this time this women can do what the men can do they deserve the same abilities to go out there and do this type of stuff well and i think that's one reason why baseball is you know so heavily frequent in film is that because you know it is the pastime or it it used to be anyway (laughs) um america's pastime and has been in the public eye for so long that you do have all these real life stories that you can tell of a you know, unique cultural or social movement that was happening, you know, in America at the time. So I think it just lends itself well to, as you said, being the backdrop for those kinds of stories. 
Yeah. Um, do you want? Do you mind me dropping some fun facts on you for this one? Gorf. Yeah. So uh, the famous Tom Tom Hanks uh, like five minute long pee um, yeah. <laughs> was actually done with him uh, holding a hose between his legs and a uh, technician like essentially putting water through the hose and him just they just filmed him. It apparently went on for much longer. They were just they, sometimes you should like you know just just go to town just improv you essentially self peeing for this long so go do what you got to do um and he just went to town and peed <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't put it past hanks to be able to pee for that long actually if he needed to but that makes more sense for sure yeah and then uh in the scene where um dotty and kit are getting approached by the scout uh there's a cow that's uh mooing in the background and um Dottie actually turns and says like will you just shut up or something like that uh f funnily enough that cow was actually having a calf was giving birth at that point and they didn't know it and she didn't know it at the time when she told her to just just stop <laughs> yeah so <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah, and then the they didn't actually think the uh, there's no crying in baseball line would be like so like a, a catchphrase essentially uh, when they wrote it down they just were like it's just another line type thing so it's always it's always interesting to see what audiences like latch on to and then also see what the actors are able to do with a line that you know the writers are just like oh it's just a fun it's just kind of a funny line type thing and move on so right yeah it doesn't become such a central crux of the fucking movie <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but yeah yeah what's your next one man you're up again so one of the ones i wanted to talk about because i don't know that a ton of people have seen this movie um but it's it's been in the back of my mind for a long time um is the movie 61 it's to be clear it's 61 with an asterisk <laughs> um which is the made for tv uh sports film um uh, directed by billy crystal and starring uh barry pepper and thomas jane as roger maris and mickey mantle who in the 1961 season uh were both chasing uh, legendary Yankee Babe Ruth's uh, single-season home run record of 60. Uh, so, of course, to break it, uh, they need to get to 61. Um, this was released, it's, it's an HBO original movie, so it was just released directly on HBO back in 2001. Um, so I, I saw it then. I don't think it ever got a theatrical release, and <clears throat> you certainly don't see it on other channels because... HBO. So I think in terms of its popularity, it maybe does not have as much awareness as it would have if it had, you know, maybe seen a theatrical release. Um, because I think this is a really authentic story about a couple of guys who were friends and who were both great players, but who were, were vastly different in terms of how the public perceived them and who they chose to give their love to. Um, Michael, you're familiar with the concept of people saying things they shouldn't to celebrities on social media and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. We live well, in this age. 
Yeah, yeah, digital age. Of course, in the 1960s, they didn't have all that yet. So if you really wanted to be a dick to somebody famous, you had to actually take the time to send them a letter <laughs> and get it in the mail and, you know, put on, find a stamp and all that. So there, there was more to it, you know. Um, but that did not stop all the Yankees fans who loved um, Mickey Mantle, who's, I think, probably to this day, one of the most popular players in the history of the team, um, and loathed uh, Roger Maris because he did not seem like a Yankee kind of guy. He was some hick from Fargo. He was not the one, that, he was not the chosen one like Mickey Mantle. So he, they did not want him anywhere near uh, Babe Ruth's record. Um, so Maris would receive hate mail from Yankees fans, wishing him death upon him, wishing death upon his family, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the classics, if you would. Yeah, 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 the typical stuff from sociopaths. So, <laughs> or uh, keyboard tough guys, I think, as we call them now. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> so, you got all that. It's it's a good story about you know why you know one of those situations where you have to ask why don't people have more room in their hearts for you know just one hero. So. Um, which is the tagline of the movie. So, and I think it's a great story because it really does have that, as I said, authentic feel to it. Uh, Billy Crystal grew up with the Yankees, so he's he's a huge fan. <clears throat> he directed it as you know, with that perspective of someone who witnessed a lot of this um, in his formative years. So, I, I think he made sure he got a lot of the details correct and. I saw an interview that the real Roger Maris gave. Um, I, I forget where it was. It was on YouTube or something, I think. But I went and I watched it and I thought, my God, I mean, Pepper talks and sounds and carries himself in interviews exactly the same way as he as the real Maris did here. And so I thought with stuff like that, you know, to even how he enunciates and, you know, his speaking patterns and such. And that was the level of detail given to this. So it feels like an authentic movie and it's, it's not all, uh, <laughs> I don't think all of it is aged particularly well because of course, in the backdrop of all this was, you know, when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were then chasing Roger Maris's home run record. <laughs> and, while that revitalized the game of the time, of course, now a lot of that has been soured to a degree because of steroids. But um, yeah, I mean, if if you're a if you're a fan of the game, I I think there's a lot to appreciate here, and I think it's it's just a good I think uh, kind of unknown movie out there that maybe not everyone thinks of when they are talking about their favorite baseball flicks. I mean, that's going to be fair. Jesse, I didn't know about this one, so now I'm going to have to take a look at it um, before you started talking about it. So I'm excited now. Because I would think it would magic. be on HBO Max. I haven't checked myself, but that's a good I, question. I, I assume all their stuff is on there. I, I see a little thing on Google that says watch, so I think I can just hit that and go right there. So Cool. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's fun. Uh, 
I'm very curious now. It does. I mean, I'm looking at the cast. I'm excited to see it. And it well, is. A good, I mean, it is a good story. I've heard. I've read. I've read heard about the scenario that this is based around. Um, and I do think it is yeah. an interesting time in baseball history of kind of some of these teeterings of um, legends. And it's always it's always hard for that type of stuff to happen. I feel like to baseball fans and especially people that are particularly passionate about one team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the cast really works well and it kind of upholds the spirit of this being a, an unknown of a film because the cast itself is not flushed out with a lot of top stars or, you know, highly popular names or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people know who Barry Pepper and Thomas Jane are, maybe. I don't think they usually think to them as leads um, except if you're a fan of the first Punisher movie in which case Thomas Jane is your boy but um, and then you have you know character actors in here Anthony Michael Hall is Whitey Ford they have Bruce McGillan here who's had a lot of supporting roles who I think are all good just no one really no one in this is someone you would think of as a big star today and I think that's actually helped this movie and ha- how it's aged, so to speak. Interesting. Yeah. So I I would recommend if you haven't seen it, check it out. I think the very least it'll be an, an interesting story. Um, but I, I think this one holds up pretty well in comparison, um, despite being yeah. a little on the cheesy side here and there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I had actually look up fun facts on opposed to just my random knowledge that I have yeah. the movie fun facts on this one. So um, apparently uh, because of the uh, because there was no actual documentation of the color of the seats in Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, what they were in 1961, uh, the production designers were faced with a pretty big problem. Um, so uh Rusty Smith, the production designer, was told that Billy Crystal had an old bleacher seat from Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. um, that was dated to be back behind that by that time. And when he got there, it was actually painted blue, like completely blue. Um, and he proceeded to do his due diligence as a production designer. And I compliment him on this. He actually looked around and looked at every single inch of it and found a very small portion of it that had been the paint had been worn away and you could see the original green color that the seats are in in this um movie uh which was the you know which made them the true yankee stadium green that he based the rest of the seats off of which is really cool i like that type of stuff yeah he he did his due diligence man to because of course yankees fans are you're going to be your main target audience <laughs> for this. So you got to get the little shit right or they'll, they'll rip you to shreds for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's a lot of other ones, uh, other fun stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, we would recommend, but um, that's two for me, dude. So it's back to you. All right. Um, so the next one I was going to talk about is uh, one that I think falls into the baseball movie but they play the the focus is less on the actual playing of the game um and that is moneyball which came out in 2011 uh starring brad pitt jonah hill 
and directed by uh, Bennett Miller. And like Aaron a, Sorkin's script too, I believe. One that Healy's contributed to. Contributed to, yeah. Yeah, which is why there's a lot of talking in Moneyball. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I really like this one because, like, I mean, as I was saying, it's, it's adjacent to baseball in the sense that it's actually kind of the more of the management side of it, which I, I enjoy seeing sometimes kind of like the process behind it. And even this whole idea of the, uh, the scouts and uh, them going out and, you know, picking up players and this whole process of it. Cause it's, you know, you have to see what these players are going to be like and trying to figure them out. And the fact that it was how eventually the Red Sox won the World Series by essentially implementing this um, process of picking up players allowed them or helped them. I shouldn't say allowed them. That's that's unfair to the, the players, uh, but uh, helped them be able to break the, the great curse um, and actually go on to subsequently inspire another uh, help inspire another uh baseball movie uh that we aren't i don't think we're going to talk about but is another pretty good one um so it's just interest. i just really love seeing this one and like kind of going back and re-watching it and watching the interactions between brad pitt and uh jonah hill who is uh surprisingly a pretty good actor so i feel like he doesn't get enough credit sometimes he does a pretty good job of you know uh playing some different roles and stuff like that so yeah I don't know. It's, it's a it's another one of those ones where I'm like, I, I'll leave the TV on. <laughs> I, I want to watch this one, That's... even if it's even if it's already started, I'm already on board with it. So, and to the viewers, that's always a big compliment coming from Michael. So you know, <laughs> it has a lot of value. Um, now it's it's a great cast, man. Um, Pitt, I think, gives you about what you th- would expect from him in a role like this, but what you get is really solid and. He does have a lot of uh, charm to his character, but also uh, some vulnerability as well that is understated, but good in a role for a guy who's kind of putting himself out there against, you know, popular thinking in terms of how baseball should be run or how <laughs> how teams can be successful in that league. Um, I'm with you on Jonah Hill. I think this is actually one of his better performances because it's again it's very understated and he reels in a lot of the typical jonah hill-esque behavior that i think his fans were used to at this point in time and really kind of in a lot of ways disappears into this character of peter brand who becomes uh brad pitt's character's billy bean's top assistant on the team um you get chris pratt in this before he blew up um so kind of in between oh uh, yeah i forgot he's in this yeah this is like (laughs) chris pratt when he's not fat andy from parks and rec but he's not star lord yet he's like the in-betweener though oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) which which is funny he has he has some good lines in this so what, what are your fears man Oh, you know, the ball just being hit in my general direction. <laughs> no, seriously. No, seriously. That's... No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, good luck with that. Uh, they they have some good exchanges with his character, and it's fun. Um, the late and great Philip Seymour Hoffman as Art Howe, who is, I think, just the perfect grumpy old manager for this type of movie, and I appreciate him. Um, but um, I, the reasons I love Moneyball um, beyond beyond the fact that it's it's a cool story about a team that contributed to a cultural shift within major league baseball. But I would say it really does have a lot to offer in terms of not just, you know, thinking about how to be successful in baseball, but how to be successful in life and to not always listen to conventional thinking just because that way we've always done things. And when faced with a unique challenge, the willingness to be innovative and to think outside the box and look at people a little more closely than just what's there on the surface in terms of trying to properly evaluate uh, that person's value. So I, I really like that line of thinking. I think that's something that you can apply to a lot of walks of life and it's going to be successful for you. So that, that really resonates with me, but dude, I love roster building in sports. It's like <laughs> the nerdiest thing I do in, in correlation to pro sports. So I, I, if it's, if it's a story about putting together a team and what it's going to look like and how you're going to fit it all under the salary cap, I nerd out on that shit, dude. That that's something I'll enjoy. Um, and then when you add into it, um, well, we have to find enough players to fit in to our team's really shitty budget, and we just lost all our top players from the year before, and all these guys <laughs> bringing in everybody thinks are shitty, but here's why they're not. That's cool. I so this movie, it it, it hits close to home in a really good way for me and i think i've i've really uh, ever since it came out i've i've gravitated towards this and sometimes i think this is my my favorite baseball movie so i i love it wow <laughs> what a compliment jesse yeah i i think so man uh wally fister too has some great cinematography in this i i like the score to this movie too it's not you know, maybe as famous as, you know, say the Field of Dreams theme, but I think they they found some good ways to to integrate the the score and have it heighten and uh, you know kind of calm down a little bit, you know, throughout the the ups and downs of the season, if you will. So I I really appreciate that. And I did to say I love the uh, color palette of the movie itself. Um, yeah, it has like a. And it sounds bad, but it has almost like the sickly green look to a lot of the scenes. Um, but I do kind of like the fact that it is those moments of unsurety that comes through on those moments where it does kind of have that look. It has those uh, ability to convey emotion through that those settings. Uh, when he first meets Jonah Hill's character, he's in that kind of it's it's like a drab brown. Um, when he's directly confronting um, um, the manager uh, Art, it has that kind of sickly color to it. Uh, just like left, right, and center. Just so many of these moments are so well shot in 
and around the color palette that they picked for the movie that it's just real it's real cool stuff yeah and uh, bennett miller is an interesting director because he's only made i think four movies um two of which uh, aside from moneyball one was capote uh, again with philip seymour hoffman uh, and the other was Foxcatcher. And if you watch those, they too have kind of a unique palette and um, tent, if you will, to the film. So I think maybe that's just a stylistic thing with him, but it, it does come across really well here. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't know any fun facts about this one. I just know, like, I, I know more about the history that it's like the, situation and more around that which is less fun and goofy um <laughs> i know it was in developmental hell for quite yeah a, quite a long time and i remember being i think nervous about that because as we've seen let me just say what what was the jared leto movie that just came out uh i don't want to talk about it uh morpheus <laughs> the living vampire oh no well, wait that's, that's the, the comic no that's the comic that's actually okay Morbius, yeah. Yeah, Morbius, which was delayed numerous times and unfortunately I think was just as horrible as everybody feared it was gonna be. But um I didn't um, I didn't fear Jesse. I knew it was gonna be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> well it. that's that's what I'm saying too, because I think they bought the rights to the book that this movie is adapted off of mm -hmm. um in two thousand four. And this movie didn't come out, dude, until like 2011 i think so it it took a while to get this thing off the ground and i mean steven soderbergh was at one point going to direct this and they had a lot of other people coming in and out in various roles and that's usually a bad sign of a movie that's maybe gone through too many hurdles to you know produce a quality product at the end but they they did life support on this thing or something because it it turned out a lot better than I think anyone <laughs> expected it would. Yeah. Uh, okay. I found a fun fact. They were allowed, the production was allowed exactly one day and one day only to access Fenway park. <laughs> and that was that day. Was that, that was that day. They just had to do it. I've always wondered why it, maybe they set it up that way. So it was raining and it turns out it was just a shitty raining day in Boston. Like <laughs> your day. Yeah. Who knows? That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Red Sox. Um, yeah. Uh, any other fun facts you got on that? Um, it looks like the real, um, the real art was actually furious at his depiction in the film. He yeah. called it character assassination, um, which I feel is a great way to describe anything that you're not happy with about. So, character assassination. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> couldn't have demeaned me more. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I mean, Scott Hatterberg, Chris Pratt's character in the film, who was not supported by Art Howe in the movie, the real Hatterberg has come out and said, no, he was a huge supporter of mine. I, I never had the impression that I was, wasn't his first choice. And, um, I think they also, and this is just my brain and what I remember, like the A's lost a lot of good players before that season. And 
the guys in the movie were cast offs and it's great and everything. But I remember the A's being really good again, like shortly after that with like Tim Hudson and uh, Barry Zito, Eric Chavez, Miguel Tejada, like they had a lot of all-stars shortly after this. It's not like they were, you know, just, you know, getting by with a bunch of, you know, misfit toys or whatever. So, (laughs) yeah. So I, I can forgive stuff like that. I know it upsets people, but I mean, it's not a documentary. They're going to take uh, our, our creative liberties with certain things. So. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of those big things is like the difference between based on, you know, inspired by like that's um, it's a YouTuber I watch quite frequently is um, history buff. And he talks a lot about like these historical movies and like the difference between movies saying they're like based on or inspired by and, you know, these types of things. So it is interesting to see kind of, they did tote this being a very true to real life story. I feel like in some of the marketing. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. eh, Still, still good. Still good. Very good. Uh, so, uh, your turn, sir. So when you told me you were going to pick Moneyball, I was actually a little relieved because even though I, you know, I was excited to talk about that, I was glad then because like, Ooh, that means we can get this other one on the list and this episode. And so that will be cool. Um, and that movie is 42, um, another biographical sports film, um, this time about Jackie Robinson, who was the guy who broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Uh, the first guy to come over from the Negro Leagues and play along a team or a league entirely filled with white players. Um, of course, starring the late, great Chadwick Boseman as Jackie Robinson and then Harrison Ford in this as well as Branch Rickey, uh, who was the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers back then. Um, this movie, I think, works well for me in a number of ways. I I saw it the first time when it came out, and I, I remember liking it. I remember there was a ton of hype around it when it was released, and so I think I maybe just built it up a little too much in my mind and, you know, allowed some of those outside opinions to affect that. And maybe it wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but I wasn't blown away the first time. I I said, yeah, I I liked it, but (laughs) it wasn't something that I felt I had to see again and again. And I think over time, it's, you know, I've warmed to this and it's grown on me and improved from my vantage point, I think more and more. And I think so much of that dude has to do with just of my appreciation and admiration of Chadwick Boseman as an actor and as a, as a person and just how he could take on these roles of all these cultural icons, you know, in the black community, these, these fucking innovators, these, these guys who, and get these guys who broke through, you know, these barriers to do all these great things and really get down and, play those characters true and different you know <laughs> they're different people here so that's that's tough to to accurately portray you know you know all these real life these real life icons and i thought he just did a great job with all that and uh, i think 
this is a really good performance from him because you can see the qualities that makes him a great player. You can also see, you know, that anger when he's constantly battling, you know, these racial atrocities that America is just unleashing upon him for having the nerve to play in the major leagues with all the white boys. But, um, and then that anger simmering under the surface, but having to bottle that and just push forward and just keep playing the game um, and encouraging his teammates to do the same, even as they were growing increasingly disgusted with all the injustices that were happening to him. So I think it's great for him. I also think this is a great performance from Harris, Harrison Ford. I think it's one of the best things he's done in the, the latter years of his career by far. Um, so I, I just really appreciate all this. I, I have grown to like this quite a bit. I mean, it's fair. It's, it's a solid movie. And I do think I love it. Love the historical um, factor behind it as well. The emotional drive that uh, the characters have um, is really solid in it. Uh Um, And I, I do think Chadwick, um, does a really good job of playing homage to this pinnacle. And again, American history, um, you know, we talk about the, how this is always so, uh, baseball. So seems to be so interlaced with our history and, uh, as us growing as a nation. So it's, it's nice to see those types of moments really portrayed correctly. And he does a good job of it here. Yeah, I think so. He he has two scenes where there's, a kid as part of the focus of what's happening. One is when he's going to catch a train to, I think he's off to spring training or whatever. And he throws, he just toss, you know, casually tosses a baseball to a a young black boy and who then chases the train. And is just like, you can tell he's just over the moon that he just got a baseball from Jackie Robinson, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably one of the coolest things that could happen to any kid back then. (laughs) But then uh, towards the climax of the film, um, I think they're, they're playing at Cincinnati <clears throat> and Pee Wee Reese, who is on the Dodgers, is from that area. So he's got a lot of fans back home who have followed his career. And so they're excited to see him play and they're talking about, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be great. And then as soon as Robinson hits the field, the racial slurs and the insults, you know, are just being bombarded down at him. And you can see this kid there with his dad who is unsure about joining in that type of behavior and is initially put back. But because he's, you know, he's young and impressionable and he's following his dad's lead, he then joins in with that. Um, But once the players are on the field and Reese comes over and puts his arm around Robinson. And it's that iconic image between those two. Um, the kid then it pans back to him and the kid immediately regrets what he just did. And is very sad because <laughs> his hero is accepting of Robinson. You know, why wasn't he type of thing? So yeah, it's a, it's a clever thing they do with those two, those two scenes. Yeah, I think it it does such a great job of just showcasing 
the moments that were happening. And I, I love the history side of it. It's just so great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right. So I, I, this one's really growing on me. They even got Steve the pirate in here. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being one of the, maybe the most racist asshole in the whole movie. And I, I read an interview about that. And that, that was kind of hard for him to do. He mm -hmm. was saying, um, but it was working with, I think Bozeman that, that made that, you know, yeah, he, he was able to get through that a little easier. So, yeah. Um, so I was going to share some facts. Uh, I think I want to share some facts about, uh, Jackie Robinson himself. Um, yeah. Just so that way we can talk a little bit about that. Um, fun. I, I did not know this and this is super cool. Uh, Jackie was the first major league baseball player to grace a U.S. postage stamp. Just pretty, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Like, oh, that's, that's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty significant. Retired with a career batting average of 0.311. So 311, um, which is pretty solid. Yeah. That's damn good. Yeah. And, Jackie's uh, middle name was uh, Roosevelt. So two baseball facts and a random one for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I, yeah. I, I like, I mean, that just is a justification to, you know, how important he was, you know? So that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> good, good times. Good times. So I'm, I'm three up and three down, bro. So it's, it's to you. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, so I thought we would wrap it up with uh, one of my beloved childhood movies um, and still, I think, a solid baseball movie um, to this day. Um, I mean, so many people love it um, is the one, the only, the great. The Sandlot <laughs> uh, came out in 1993, uh, directed by David Evans. Um, and just a whole ensemble cast. Very interesting to see how much I feel like even people that don't like baseball love this movie because of just kind of the funness of it. Uh, I know it's not really a word, but like the this how it can bring you back to being a child, I feel like is a really big one for me now. The fact that yeah. they, the, the monster, the dog, um, Hercules, uh, you, you go back and you watch it. And when you know, you know, the size of the actual dog, it's just a normal, it's just a really big dog. But when they show it throughout the movie, it's like this giant monstrosity. It's because they're kids envisioning this thing being so much bigger. They're using their imagination, not consciously, like inherently in what they're doing. And only once you know spoiler alerts for a movie that's almost two decades old now at this point um <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen the sandlot i mean yeah come on. come on um you uh you know but you instantly see them change when the fence gets knocked down on the dog like they suddenly realize it's just a dog uh -huh. and so they <laughs> They, they they pick it up and everything gets better but it's just it's, it's wonderful because it is just a slice of you know nostalgic pie for summers with friends going to the pool uh doing so many other things getting you know into scuffs 
all that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely brings people back to that childhood innocence um, that I think a lot of us yearn for as we move on through our lives, as, as you were alluding to. Um, and that's a, that's a feeling I think people are always, you know, maybe we don't always have the time for that, but it's something that we're always chasing. And the Sandlot is always going to be just a great uh, example for that type of movie because, you know, what what's more childhood innocence than, you know, baseball and just spending the summer playing with your friends and, oh, shit, we broke that one ball that we had. So now we can't play anymore <laughs> type of thing. You know, going, you know, hanging out on the 4th of July, going to fairs. Uh, trying to find a way to kiss the the hot lifeguard at the swimming pool. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, fun fact: um, my brother-in-law and my sister once went as a couple Halloween costume of Squints and Wendy Peppercorn. So that <laughs> that's that still happens. Um, that's that's cute. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um. But, uh, you know, also knowing that one kid who is just obsessed with the game and wants to play every day and all the time because it's his life type of thing. So that's, that's always something that I think people are going to be drawn to. And that's why the, uh, the Sandlot holds uh, such a prominent place in our nostalgia for the things from when we were kids. Um, but that's, I feel like that's something that baseball, uh, that's a quality that it has too, because they talk about that in Field of Dreams too. Like people will come, right? Because <laughs> of course, you know, they just, they want to chase that feeling, man, of, you know, having that pure, uh, unadulterated joy of, you know, just, being at the ballpark or being, you know, playing, you know, with your friends and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a feeling that I think they were right about. I, I don't think that's something that's uh, is embellished by this being a, a cheesy nineties uh, movie. No, I, I definitely think it's one of those things that it, why it's stuck around as such a, I, I feel like it doesn't get lumped in with those other nineties baseball movies. Like uh, what is it? Angels in the Outfield. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other ones. Uh, the one where the kid like breaks his arm or something like that and throws better. Uh, uh, rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Thank you. Yeah, which we actually just watched last weekend. So <laughs> funny you bring that up. Yeah. So I mean, it, I mean, but that's like the thing though. I feel like those kind of get slammed into some of these. Um, oh yeah, that was a movie at one point in my life. Now I remember it. Whereas I feel like this one is just such a consistent um, because it is more based on what is a nostalgic feeling, but also more of a true emotional reaction opposed to just kid doing things that grown-ups do in Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I, I think the only thing that's maybe not going to age super well or hasn't or that people might take an exception to now is the the gravest insult you can throw at a fellow Little League team is to tell them they play ball like a girl. That's true. That one probably won't 
that probably won't uh, stick around as uh, appropriate for very long. Yeah. Uh, so, otherwise, I think they're fine. They're yeah, but uh, that's that's not bad. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll wrap up with some fun facts if you're uh, okay with that. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. Also, Dennis Leary is in this film for like five minutes as the stepdad, which I thought. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Once I figured out who Dennis Leary was, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fun facts. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, interestingly enough, this uh, what a wonderful little um, worlds aligning type fun. Totally, I, it's not purposeful in any way shape or form uh but this movie was a really quick shoot um and it only shot they only shot for 42 days wow huh? wow right honoring uh babe ruth in it and subsequently honoring another great um baseball legend in it too so by pure happenstance i'm betting um <laughs> yeah I, I would say that's probably the case but uh, <laughs> good times. Uh, the chewing tobacco that they did in the movie, they didn't actually give the kids actual chewing tobacco, um, was made out of uh, licorice and bacon bits. <laughs> so they really? gave them black, black licorice and mixed it in with um, bacon bits to give it that chunky look that you would need for um, the uh, like the texture of it. And yeah. Wow. And then the uh, vomit from the scene where he threw up was actually uh, split pea soup, baked beans, oatmeal, water, and gelatin, which that's, I mean, that's my go-to when I need to make fake vomit too. So I, I get them on that. Yeah. Just make a quick concoction here. Hey, honey, where's the gelatin? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, some of the fun other ones. Oh, here you go. You can tell, um, your sister this but uh wendy uh was actually based on a girl named bunny really yep uh evans remembers uh remembers her from his childhood as a lifeguard in a red bathing suit named bunny so based on a real character or a real person i should say i think he was smart for changing her name <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one's I, I do feel like bunny is maybe a little unrealistic i don't <laughs> misogynistic perhaps yeah. i don't know yeah <laughs> so uh, good nice job evans good call mm -hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah i think that, that's all the fun facts i'll share about this one it's a good one man um there's a reason people still quote it to this day so yep i think that brings us to the end oh yeah look at that yeah. what a nice little wrap up yeah, we didn't go into extra innings as they will, and I promise that's my last baseball reference for this episode. Good, I'm uh, cutting you. I'm cutting you off. Yeah, <laughs> you're cut out. off. You're out. You're yeah. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, I did want to give just a quick shout out to uh, the Kevin Costner baseball trilogy. Um, mm. We had talked about maybe Field of Dreams making this, and maybe we'll just do an episode for him on those some other day or just do a baseball part too. But uh, yeah, I mean, those were, those were mainstays in my household growing up all, all of his baseball movies. So I, I definitely have a nostalgia for those as well. I, I think, you know, 
Field of Dreams in particular is you know pretty damn good. I think some of those movies haven't aged as well in other ways, but uh, they they did stand out to me growing up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we definitely can probably do another one on this. I it's I enjoyed I, I enjoy talking about these things. So yeah, it was, it was a quick hour. How about yeah. that? Look at us. Look at us go. Can't, yeah, we just can't keep ranking out these two hour episodes the rest of our lives. We'll we'll have nothing left. Yeah. And on that bombshell, I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Hit the Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, We try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays. Uh, Depends on how much I'm doing that weekend and getting to editing. but if we got something wrong, um, if we uh, missed one of your favorite baseball movies, please let us know at hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd be happy to talk with you about it. Um, and also feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. And uh, hey, like always, keep it real. Keep it real.